Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verse 15 through 16 and 19 through 21, the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1 and 13 through 25, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, verse 51 through 62, and Psalm 16. Thank you all for having me back today, and thank you Melanie, for that wonderful introduction. Uh, When Phil asked me if I would preach today, I was really excited, and then I read the gospel. (laughs) So in seminary, they tell you every priest has one sermon, and they just preach it in different words each time, depending on the readings. What they don't tell you is whenever the reading is particularly difficult and doesn't fit that sermon, you just invite the seminarian back to preach. Do you ever read the gospel or hear it read to you and think, what the heck, Jesus? Or as my kids love to say right now, bro. The story we heard today from Luke is one of those for me. It starts off easy enough. Jesus wants to go through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. The Samaritans are like, nah, we're good. And the apostles get mad because this means they have to take the long way around But the Jesus that we know, kind, loving, forgiving, he rebukes them and goes on his way. But that is where things get weird. Because right after that, we hear of these people that want to follow Jesus. They want to be all in on this mission of his, and he seems to be kind of a jerk to them. Sure, you want to follow me? Well, you're not going to have a place to call your home. You can't spend a moment to grieve, and you can't even say goodbye to those you love. Are you in or you're out? Make a decision right now. We're getting ready to go. In his book, Nobody Cries When We Die, God, Community, and Surviving Adulthood, the author Patrick Reyes tells of a story of visiting his hometown after he had been gone for some time, getting a master's degree, getting ready to start, a PhD, and while visiting, he goes for a run through some winding roads that pass agricultural fields on its way to the beach. And on this run, he passes a group of people working the fields, day laborers, and he realizes he recognizes one of them, and he stops to chat. The man that he recognizes, Sammy, a really intelligent kid that was in Patrick's class in school. In fact, Patrick and Sammy were always competing to see who was going to be the top of the class in each subject. But Patrick leveraged some support that he had along with those great grades, went off to get a degree, a master's degree, is going on to get a PhD, while Sammy met a girl, got married, settled down, had some kids, and was now working the land. So Patrick says his goodbyes and continues his run, and he reaches the beach and turns around and runs back on those same roads. So when he reaches the place where he and Sammy had stood, he notices Sammy's deep footprints in the mud in the place where they had stood and embraced, and also in the rows down each row of each of the field. And he then notices the soft and already fading footprints of his own along the dusty road. I'll let, you, I'll let him tell it in his own words here. 
My footprints had all but disappeared on that path. Some under truck tire marks, others just from not being deep enough in the soil, still others because of the way I had avoided the mud in the dark. In many ways, it was a reminder that I could gain temporary access to this road, but it was not mine. My feet would not leave a permanent indentation in this space. Now, not lost in this picture is that Sammy's deep and lasting footprints were also evidence that though he stayed put, he also was not stuck in the mud. He may not have gone on to get an education or write a book that some seminarian might reference in some sermon someday, but he was doing the best with what he had to work the land, do right by his community, and raise his family. I don't know how hard it was for Patrick to leave his friends and family, and I'm certain that he got to say goodbye, but what I do know is that the journey changed him. And being changed, those roads and those fields were no longer his. But that isn't a bad thing. As people of faith, we love to talk about change. Change your hearts, change your mind, be born again, be baptized and become new. In the Bible, in Daniel, Job, Zechariah, Chronicles, Isaiah, Proverbs, Psalms, all over the place, they talk about God as a refiner, purifying, cleansing, and making things new. But to be transformed, to change, you have to be willing to let go of your footprints, to let them fade here, so you can make new ones there. Or maybe let go of the beautiful image of your mind of the footprints you're gonna leave on some beautiful road in order to let your feet sink a little deeper in your place. Either way, what you're doing is letting go of your expectations for your life to follow your call. And we know it's never easy you're going to have to go through a little fire. So when those would-be disciples from our story today tell Jesus that they are in, that they are ready to follow, but just have one little thing, one little thing to take care of over here. Essentially what they are saying is that that part of their life is separate from their act of following Jesus. It's something to do before their duties as someone's child or their commitments as a spouse or their, the things that they have to do as a parent are other than their act of following Jesus. And once we start acting as if our lives are our own, as if some part of our existence can be separated from this part of our existence, then what we're looking to do is plant our feet in the here and now and be reluctant to move on and make new footprints later. And following Jesus is not something that you can do halfway. As Christians, our faith is firmly grounded in being followers of Jesus all the time, not just on Sundays and certainly not just when it's convenient. 
The minute that we choose to follow Jesus, we are readying ourselves to be changed. It's going to happen. We are asking God to refine us. So Jesus has three people asked to follow him in the story today. And to the first, he says how hard it's going to be. He won't even have a place to sleep comfortably. To the second, he says, you can't wait. There's no time to grieve. There's no time to bury your father. And to the third, he says, there isn't even time to say goodbye. What he says to all of them is don't look back, look forward, and be ready to be changed. Once you've started to plow a new row, it's time to stop worrying about the old rows. They're still there. You plowed them, there are seeds, the water will fall, and God willing, plants will grow. But there are more rows to plow and more seeds to plant. Jesus calls people to follow him in the gospel today. And Jesus calls us to follow him every time we feel a little pull at our heartstrings that make us want to quit talking about the change that we want to see happen and to do something about it. And that might not look like leaving our homes and going off to preach the gospel and not even having a place to sleep. For most of us, it won't involve neglecting to bury our loved ones. And I am almost certain that for any of us, it will not require us to leave our families and certainly not without saying goodbye. In fact, the message seems to be different all the time. In last week's gospel, if you remember, you heard a man who was possessed by demons And after those demons are cast off by Jesus, he begs Jesus to follow him. He begs to be the kind of disciple that Jesus seems to want today. And Jesus' answer to him, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. In other words, stay, but in a new way. Some are called to leave and some are called to stay, but everyone, all of us, are called to move forward, to take the next step even if it's hard. Whether that means spending our days in some familiar mud or letting our footprints fade because the next thing God has for us takes us onto unfamiliar ground. So what is God calling you to do? I mean, right now, think about that. I'm not sure about you, but when I think about what my heart is being pulled towards, I think about the news that we got from the Supreme Court on Friday or more accurately, the response to that news, the real raw reaction that we've seen, that I've seen from people that I love, that we've heard about, those have pulled on my heartstrings. And no matter which side of the political divide you are on, you cannot deny the fact that people are reeling right now. Many of us feel hopeless, like our country is moving in a direction that we don't recognize. Some feel angry, ready to march, ready to strike, ready to boycott. And no matter where you are on this issue, you are being challenged because there's people around you that are in a different place. You're being challenged not only to leave your footprints on the road, but also recognize your neighbor's footprints in the mud beside you. So what is God calling you to do? Maybe you're being called to make new footprints on new ground. Speak out against injustices when you'd really rather be silent. Join that movement when you're much more of a cheer from the sidelines kind of person. 
marching, writing letters, making phone calls, volunteering, showing up in those spaces where you haven't before because you've been maybe afraid, definitely uneasy, probably too busy. Or maybe you're in the group that's celebrating this decision and you're being called to sit down and listen to someone who is grieving, who feels scared and hurt and worried and just sit and be quiet and listen. Gently place your feet into their footprints so that you don't alter them, but that you can see what it feels like to stand there for just a moment. What is God calling you to do? Maybe it's to tend the fields where your footprints are already deep. Donating a little bit more money that you don't have to that cause that you love. Reaching out to the people who you know that might have been more affected than you by the rulings with an ear for support. Talking to your kids or your grandkids or your friends or your neighbors about the really hard things going on in the world, even though we'd really rather brush them under the rug and protect the people and our relationships from them. Or setting aside your political ideologies to come together and make changes in your own life in response to those hard things. No matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, Jesus is always calling you to keep on going, especially in times like these. Whether you found your field and you need to get busy plowing your rows and leaving your footprints, or whether you have to move on to a new field entirely, God is there with you, ready to change you. And it will absolutely be hard. There will be rejection along the way that makes your journey longer. There will be moments when you can't be comfortable and you feel like there is nowhere that you belong, especially not in your own family. There will be things and people and places that you lose. But change is an inevitable part of life. And looking back and holding on and regretting the things that you're going to lose so that your next path can be found, it doesn't stop the change. It doesn't stop people from dying. It doesn't stop the need to say goodbye to friends or family. It doesn't stop political division or Supreme Court rulings or the next mass shooting. It doesn't even stop your footprints from becoming just another muddy hole in the road at some points. All of these things are going to happen whether or not you cling to the way you think your life should be or if you use your anger, sadness, worry, strife as a source of strength to take that next step with Jesus. So look forward with your eyes wide and your heart open Find where Jesus is leading you, even if that's to the same place in a different way, and just be open to let the Holy Spirit change you as you go. Amen.